Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about people or organizations having a big impact here in North Texas. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan. And joining us today, our first guest is Mr. Danny Martin, the co-founder and CEO of Exposure, an esports company that uses education and experimental learning principles to help kids discover technology, management, marketing, production, and so much more. Danny, how are you doing this morning? Every day is a, a learning lesson, and it's always good to be able to take those learning lessons to impact our community. So I'm great. Oh, how man, about you, sir? I'm doing wonderful. And again, I can't say enough about Exposure. The facility is absolutely amazing right there off of 67 in Duncanville. And for those who, who aren't familiar with eSports, tell people what eSports is to you and what it means to for kids. Sure, for sure. So eSports is competitive gaming. It's broken down into three tiers. Uh, the largest tier being your tier one titles like League of Legends. These competitions are competed across the globe. Uh, they typically use PCs and you'll see hundreds of thousands, if not millions of attendees watching these particular individuals compete. Um, these particular games like, again, League of Legends and Dota 2. Uh, your tier two titles are games like Rocket League and Fortnite. Uh, you find these games being competed on both a hybrid model of consoles as well as PCs. And uh, you'll see prize purses upwards in the millions. Typically, you heard a lot of individuals talk about Buga, the 16-year-old winning $3 million in, mm -hmm. in Fortnite. And then you have your tier three titles, uh, which are competed on um, mobile devices as well as that of consoles. It's the lowest tier when it comes down to prize purses that are offered, as well as the amount of the viewers that are engaged. Um, you typically will see the highest prize purse, which will be the NBA 2K League uh, that offers approximately about a 2.7 upwards of a $3 million prize purse for their particular leagues. Now, the tier three titles is typically engaged with individuals in uh, economically challenged backgrounds just due to the fact that uh, consoles are more accessible mm -hmm. uh, than a, a PCs. And so our goal here is to ultimately uh, showcase the value of consoles, but to also engage and, and introduce the PC uh, world to that of the individuals that I grew up in in the southern sector of Dallas, uh, because I think it's important to, to reach a larger audience. This is what's so amazing about esports. I mean, I've, I already knew it was over a $4 billion industry, but then a few years ago I realized that there were colleges and universities offering scholarships for kids who were really, really good at esports, not necessarily, you know, gamers themselves, but let's say you could learn something where you could, like you said, you know the technology, maybe you could be in the marketing side of it. But I was yes. like, this is absolutely amazing. It's no different than a kid having a skill set of, say, a, a being a musician or a skill set of being an athlete where they're physically out on the court or on the field and making jump shots or, or uh, hitting baseballs or whatever it may be. I'm like, wait a minute. Gaming is that big 
And let me tell you something, Danny. This is what also blew my mind. My son, who is a, is a track guy, okay, during the okay. pandemic, okay. he started playing more and more Fortnite. And then he got in one of those worldwide tournaments, and he made $4,000. I was like, yep. wait <laughs> just a minute. He might be good at this. And so I was going to let that thing ride. And then I, I, I met a professor from SMU who was telling me about the Arlington, the former Arlington Convention Center, which is now a gaming hub. And I was yes. like, this is deep. And that's yes. why I'm so glad you're on the show today because you can kind of talk about how this thing has grown because you've been tracking it for a while, right? Yes, for sure. Since college, I started in my college dorm room mm. uh, fixing consoles and using that using it as an opportunity to you know make some capital for tuition books and and ultimately you know the story started where you know I was at my um, you know at the CAF at the University of Texas at San Antonio. I okay. also was a track athlete there. And my teammate at the time, uh, during in between practices, he was like, my console is inoperable. And I looked, that was my, as an entrepreneurship major, that was my light bulb moment. I was like, okay, if I can fix this console, because he really wanted his console fixed. And he was, uh, he recognized that if he sends it back to Microsoft or uh, or Sony, the, he had an Xbox or so Microsoft at the time, he knew that it was going to take like six months. Oh, because yeah. they experienced Easily. like a huge red rings of death and everybody was sitting there's back. And so he was just like, if I can just get this fixed right now, I can, you know, not have to take my console back and extend so long. So I said, hey, Carby, if I can fix this console, you know, I fixed it. But if I can't fix the console, I'll buy you a new one. And he was just like, cool, you know. And mm-hmm. so he said, deal. And so I just took it back. I didn't know how to fix it at the time, but, you know, YouTube University helped me. Uh, but even then it was pretty difficult. So I, I looked on the um, looked at, uh, <laughs> Google. And I seen an actual uh, a shop, uh, a computer PC repair shop about 45 minutes off of campus. And so I took the actual console there and the individual by the name of Hoovy, he was there to fix it. I sat and watched him and I was like, OK, I can I, I can really do this now. And so I just went on campus, back on campus, gave it to Carvey. He was just excited, super, super excited. Got, and I could just that excitement of just giving him his console back was just everything for me. So I just uh, basically went to every dorm room. I knocked on every dorm room on the campus and it was just like, hey, is your console inoperable? Uh, people will look at me as like, I'm not finna give you my console, right. <laughs> you know, so so I had to really convince them. And exactly. that's really what helped me in entrepreneurship. Like, hey, I've done it before. Um, I know individuals that can do it. Here's the instances on what's going on with your console. It may be the, op, you know, maybe the fan, maybe the optical lens, it may be the disk drive, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can make sure I can get it taken care of for it. So little by little, I would take consoles uh, down to Juve and I would just sit with him after practice about like maybe like two, 12 midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And ultimately, you know, I started to really, really learn how to do it um, to the point to where I was able to say, Juve, you know, like, I have the I'm bringing you business on business on business. You know, I'm literally leaving my college college campus with duffel bags of of Xboxes and Playstations. <laughs> and, and he said, hey, you know, I really don't want you to leave me because you're bringing me a lot of business, but you're a hungry individual and um, I, I can't do nothing. So I told him, I said, I know the machines. I purchased the machines from uh, China. And I uh, had them all shipped into my de- dorm room in college, and I was fixing the consoles. So kind of thinking of it as like a barbershop. People would knock on my dorm room door, yeah. drop off their consoles, and uh, either they'll leave and, or they'll stay. And then if they stay, I'm talking to them about all kinds of things. And then I got the idea uh, ultimately where I was like, man, if I'm opening up these consoles and I'm able to see what game you play in it, like Street Fighter or NBA 2K, 
um, I would actually cross market that data and say, hey, by the way, I fixed your console. I see you play Street Fighter. I'm hosting a $500 price per Street Fighter tournament on, you know, March 6th. You know, tell your friends to tell their friends. And I would then start running actual tournaments on campus. And so that's how I really got into the industry. And I quickly recognized that when I'm hosting these tournaments, you just can't host them by yourself. Right. And you need individuals to create flyers, run brackets, that uh, update consoles, uh, market it, do production. And you at that time in 2011, I couldn't just go to Indeed or Monster and find someone with two years experience of tournament organizing. Right. And so I actively knew that I had to start to develop individuals. So I would really say, hey, this is how you run brackets. This is how you create flyers. This is what you should do to reach out to a demographic that likes these particular games. And that's when I got the bug of saying this industry needs a lot of development. Um, but I can't manually teach everyone. Right. I have to create a technological platform that mm -hmm. makes it easier for individuals to host tournaments. And um, I didn't know coding at the time. So my professor was like, dude, you're the only one in my class, my entrepreneurship classes that actually have a real business because I'm giving you know, my students fake, you know, fictitious business to sure. do business plan competitions and things like that. Uh, but I want you to run your whole business and you do all your assignments around your business. And if you can do that for me, I have a, a pretty good opportunity for you in Silicon Valley. And so I did it. And she said, hey, I, I actually know someone who's acquired about $14 million. Uh, they left eBay as an early uh, employee, and now they're creating their own company that's similar to eBay. But instead of bidding, uh, they're using gamification. So they need someone who understands gaming uh, to help them build out their, their technological platform. So uh, she said, I think this is a perfect opportunity for you. If you can graduate, um, I can make sure that you get a job in Silicon Valley. And so you're going to have to move there. And so at that time, you know, I, I was taking care of my younger brother. Uh, he lived with me in my dorm rooms, too. So he had access to all the games <laughs> and all the all the fun. And so right. we moved. I graduated to San Francisco. And that oh, was yeah. a whole unique experience for me because I got a chance to work around some of the most amazing developers and engineers uh, with building this tech startup. But the reality for me was as an African-American male going to San Francisco uh, in my particular startup, I was the only African-American. And so leaving my actual place of uh, residency and walking up to the actual um, office, it, it was about a two mile walk. And, you know, when I got in San Francisco, I recognized how hard it is to live in San Francisco. Everyone who looked like me was either on the street doing drugs, mm -hmm. cocaine, uh, crime, mm -hmm. all of that. But when I walk into the actual startup, I'm the only African-American. But now I'm with all the most brilliant minds of individuals who graduated from MIT, Carnegie Mellon, have, you know, got jobs at Facebook. And so I seen this dichotomy, which was like, man, I have this opportunity to be around these amazing individuals from an intellectual perspective. So I don't want to um, waste it because I see a lot of individuals who look like me that can get this information. So if I can really learn and take this opportunity, I can take it back to where I live, which was Dallas, Texas, and give it back to my home community. So I really had a mission over those three years of living in San Francisco and working in tech uh, to bring that insight back and, and create something special uh, for the individuals who look like me. So, Danny, you were there for three years. I'm sure because it sounded like you had a plan all along. You're running track down there, UT San Antonio. You, you, you've, you've recognized, okay, this is a business opportunity. You start actually doing mm -hmm. some things while you're at school. You recognize that not only every kid that you know is gaming, but even the athletes are gaming. Yes. What was the game plan while you're in the Silicon Valley of coming back? Was it a three-year plan? Was it a five-year plan and it, it accelerated? Or what was it something? Because, again, the most successful people in the world, they make a plan 
knowing that there could be twists and turns along the way. Yes. I want to know what your plan was while you were there to get back home. Yeah. So, man, that's just, you know, Chris, that's one of those um, million dollar questions. It's uh, the plan was to, to build a company that educated individuals on how to enter into the industry. I just didn't know when that plan would come into fruition. Mm-hmm. One, because the actual industry was very, very new. Um, two, there was no, not really too many blueprints to create an esports organization. And then three, I didn't have the funds like the actual billionaires that were actively invested in esports oh, yeah. to create teams. Mm-hmm. So I knew like I was going to have to figure out a different path. And so when I had the opportunity to come back to Dallas, uh, one, the biggest story is um, the um, we created one of the greatest functionalities, which was um, um, a, essentially a carousel from a technological perspective. And it was uh, infinite scroll, which you'll you, most social medias use that now where you could just scroll infinitely. We mm-hmm. created that on our platform and Facebook caught wind to it and actually uh, leveraged that actual tech, that that functionality and really killed our business model. It's a lot more in depth than that, but uh, we got an opportunity to get a severance package. And then I was like, all right, I can either stay in San Francisco or I can take this funds and um, uh-huh. go back to Dallas and create a company. And so I came back to Dallas. I found an actual um, 2,000 square foot east, uh, 2,000 square foot loft in the basement of, the, of a downtown a Dallas building. Mm-hmm. And um, I converted into an actual um, gaming lab. So it was my home. So I took the living room at the bottom floor, uh, put gaming stations on the each of the walls. I, you know, it was a cement wall. So I had to drill into the walls. Hmm. And then I used my loft section at the top to actively uh, put screens in the actual, which was my bedroom uh, for people to come and spectate the actual, um, the games and matches that were downstairs. And I created a technology platform um, that allowed individuals to host their own tournaments. And so people will come into this facility, run their tournaments and bring their actual uh, competitive gamers inside to compete. And it was that moment where I was like, okay, well, I can't build this technology platform to adhere to all the different genres of games because I just don't have the capital. I have the funds. Um, And I was trying to go to investor, investor, and investor, even Mark Cuban, I even reached out to. And um, that was a point where he was just like, hey, you just don't have enough traction. And I was like, man, so in order for me to get traction, I have to focus in on one genre um, of esports. And that was the sports because I was like, I'm familiar with sports. Mm -hmm. So let me build this platform for sports enthusiasts in NBA 2K, Madden and such. And at that point, I said, "Okay, I'm going to focus. I'm going to build a community. And. 2K at this point, this was 22K, this was 2016. Uh, 2K was the only sports game that had 5v5 competition. Mm-hmm, um, most mm-hmm. sports games at the time have 1v1, which the reason that was one of the biggest reasons why it didn't expand to your tier three titles, like I said at the beginning of this uh this show. And so I knew I was like, okay, League of Legends is 5v5, all the most popular game titles are 5v5, but NBA 2K now has 5v5. So let me really bring in the get into the community of 2K and invite them to the facility to run their tournaments and let's start doing 5v5 competitions. And so we started doing that. I started really learning about the community and giving them opportunity for a lot of the cats. They were really like, hey, you know, I've never experienced, I've been doing 5v5 online. I never got a chance to play 5v5 in a live atmosphere. And so you started to get some of the best 5v5 athletes coming to our facility. And then two years into doing that, the NBA 2K League announced. And so, you know, at that point, it was like those competitors who were already really good. They were like, wow, we now got something to really look forward to. It was a $1.2 million prize purse at the time. And you get drafted by the NBA and Mm -hmm. all of that. And so 
all of those competitors that were in, coming in and traveling from different cities to our facility where there was no other way, place to compete live, they were like, all right, I'm, this is my shot, Danny. I'm going to go to the, I'm going to try to try out. And if I make it, deuces. And I was like, man, you know, I was thinking I was going to create the NBA 2K League. And when they announced it, I was like, well, I can't compete with the NBA. So, you know, I got to really be able to create an actual feeder system for the NBA. And mm-hmm. that's when I knew the plan was taking shape. It was like, I'm focusing on the genre, um, knew the community, building the actual rapport, like basically building the fan base, just like Mark Cuban said, hey, I need more traction. So I was like, I'm getting traction from the NBA 2K community. And then I'm seeing the individuals that were in our facility get drafted to the NBA 2K League. And so at that point, I was like, wow, this is essentially a G League structure uh, because they were getting drafted because they competed in a lot of facilities. Yeah. Like nobody ever experienced right. it. So they had the they had that type of uh, energy. They had that experience. So the coaches of the NBA 2K League was like, we want those guys. And they already were starting to build their actual brands because we were running production out of my, you know, out of my house. So they got a chance to show their actual gameplay. They got a chance to talk to coaches. They had everything in a package that can help them get drafted at that time. And that's, again, where I was like, all right, this is what we want to be able to do. We got to have a facility. We got to have the technology platform. We have to have production. We have to be able to give insights to the actual aspiring gamers. So therefore, they can build their portfolio. So eventually they can get drafted into the NBA 2K League. And um, that's when I seen Day Fry, um, who's actively won two NBA 2K League championships in the NBA now. Dimes. Um, and Dimes. I've seen, I've seen Dimes. I've seen mm-hmm. Breezy. I've yep. seen Jay Money. I've seen Brent Asgard. Like all of these competitive gamers. Uh, Geo, I can name at least nine gamers that have come out through our program Look that are out. now in the NBA 2K League. Look so out. it's like cool to be able to see. So that's when I really was like, now I just that's the foundation, you know, that's what we really wanted to be able to do. Now we just have to expand it into bigger facilities and better production and more experiences for uh, the competitive gamers uh, who really want to get the shine. And in order to be able to give the shine, um, we have to have individuals who are actually doing the behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So at that point, when everybody recognized like, all right, we're going to the actual 2K League, the next communities that didn't get drafted, they were like, okay, what do I need to do next? So at that point, I was like, man, I have to find support for these individuals to build their brand. So I went to the local school districts at this time. This was around about 2018. And I said, hey, you know, educators, you know, can I come talk to your students? Because I feel like there's some skill sets in here uh, that are very useful for what we're trying to complete in the esports industry. And that was graphic designers, that was videographers, that was photographers, there was bracket specialists, bracketologists, what we call them, tournament ops. And I would just ask the teacher, can I speak to the class? And as I'm speaking to them, I'll ask the students, like, who's interested in esports? Does anybody have a portfolio? And then they'll raise their hands and then I'll actively um, look at their portfolios and then invite them to um, the facilities and, you know, help provide opportunities for those competitive gamers by giving them videos, pictures, graphics. Mm-hmm. They will help us, you know, build our graphics and our production. So therefore we can create this show. And these were high school students at the time, you know, so I recognized quickly like, okay, if high school students can really help build and they're expired to be able to use their talents to, you know, engage with these professional gamers and they love gaming as well. Um, this is a win-win for the industry. So let me just keep engaging with uh, educators and teaching them about the industry. And hopefully they can help me bring in more uh, aspiring um, uh, professionals within the space that have real skills 
uh, because esports is 95% software. If you can learn Photoshop or OBS to stream or so many other different softwares out there, you can really add value into this industry. And there's gamers all across the world that needs those type of uh, yep. services yep. in order to get them actually known, just like an actual true athlete, like sure. an a analog athlete. They need these type of services just as much. And so that's when we knew, like, we have to create an environment that provides opportunities for everyone in the esports and gaming industry. We're talking to Danny Martin, the co-founder and CEO of Exposure, or excuse me, Exposure. And Danny, I'm telling you something, you are a brilliant man. I'm listening to you telling this story, and it's not the exact same story, but I saw the movie Social, The Social Network about Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook and how he yeah. started in his dorm room in college, uh, where was it, Harvard or Yale, whatever? Yeah, Harvard, Ivy League. Yeah. yeah, Harvard. And I was like, okay, and look at him now. And I'm like, your story is a little bit different, but it's along those same paths. It's, it's like, okay, you recognize the opportunity. You're seizing the opportunity. You see the business opportunity, but also on your side of it, you're seeing where you can help people who love to do this anyway. They're doing this yeah. anyway, and you're yes. showing them how they can better their lives by doing something that they normally love to do anyway. Yes. I yes. mean, I'm, I'm, this is just blowing my mind. So let's go back to your dorm room for just one minute. So one minute. A lot of people know that, you know, a lot of people are gamers, and they're gamers in their 50s and 60s and maybe be old school or whatever, but there's a lot of people who game. I can tell you right now, in the world of sports that I'm in, most athletes who are competing Today, I'm talking about athletes in professional sports. Mm -hmm. They're gamers. That's yes. what they do. And they don't, they not only in their own Twitch or whatever they're doing, they, they not only uh, talk to each other while they're gaming, they talk to regular people while they're gaming. Mm -hmm. They talk to people who are absolutely uh, amazing at gaming. And then you yes. mentioned the facility, the, the centers, the hubbing center. People watch gamers the way they watch television. They watch the NFL or they watch the NBA or they watch Major League Baseball or NHL hockey or, or the Olympics or whatever it is because game recognize game and they're amazed at how well these guys play or how well these particular athletes play. Am I wrong? Yes. No, you're not wrong. You are right on point. You know, we always get the question from parents where it's like, you know, why is my young individual watching someone else play the game? Yeah. And I use that reference of like, hey, you watch someone play basketball and uh, and you you go to an actual stadium and watch them and you're sure. watching them because you were fascinated at the actual skill levels of that individual that you're watching. And that's no different than your actual son or daughter when they're watching someone playing game on actual YouTube on an iPad. And so they're fascinated by the skill of that individual because they know that it takes skill to play that particular game. Mm -hmm. Plus, they also are learning from that individual, so therefore they can be better at the game itself. And that's different from our generation where you have younger individuals are like, all right, before I, you know, before I step into the, the, the ocean, I'm just going to like do some research <laughs> and then be prepared before right. I get into the ocean. That's right. what they're doing. They're watching iPads. They're looking at YouTube channels and learning the tips and the trades. So therefore they can actively go and experience it. I remember when Game Informer was there when I was young and uh, you get that magazine and, and the actual mailbox and you look at gaming and you get the cheat codes, you get the tips right. and tricks of the game. And then we would take those. And like, when we get the game, we're like ready, we're prepped. 
so we can get to this actual game. But, you know, now it's, it's multimedia and now younger individuals can watch someone else play the game and get those same tips and trips, tricks and then ultimately become fans of that gamer that's actually streaming. And, and, and professional athletes are recognizing that's a great way for them to engage with their fans because, you know, there's, a ne- there's an element exactly. of, you know, watching someone mm-hmm. play on the court. And when they leave that court, you can get an autograph and get them to give you uh, some memorabilia. And the cool thing about digital sports is that same athlete, while they're playing, um, they can actually engage with you via that of streaming. So they, while they're playing, they can give you a shout out. They sure. can send you some some V bucks. They can send you some gems uh, via that of uh, digital currency on these platforms. So it's a it's a, a touch point that younger individuals are actively looking uh, and it's expecting. That's why you're finding arenas now that are introducing um, functionality that makes the experience immersive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so therefore, they can engage with their audience base. And esports is they they're just naturally do that they did that during covid they did that before yep. covid and they're doing it even yep. after covid you know it's amazing like you said because it's another it's a, another level of people connecting or it's just different and again it's technology you see it in, in a lot of movies the superhero movies and they talk about different metaverses and they talk about going to different planets or going in time and going backwards in time and it's almost again it's just connecting it's it's, it's finding ways that people engage with each other and in social media they talk about influencers. And I'm sure for you, the growth of your particular business, the exposure, if it weren't for the fact that you were really good at what you're doing or the concept that you're doing is so real, you you wouldn't have been able to reach the, the people who are actually helping and learning and growing with you on this particular concept. Am I wrong? Please tell me if no. I'm, because that's what I'm gathering. I'm like, okay, if, if, if you aren't real, if you aren't doing this right, the people yeah. you, the kids you were talking to, the, the the educators wouldn't let you talk to the kids, and the kids wouldn't be interested if it wasn't yep. if, if they kicked the tires and it wasn't legit. Yeah, for sure, it's absolutely amazing. You know, just to be able to experience like. You know, I'm, I, I did an actual um, speaking engagement at the Potter's House uh, mm-hmm. recently, and it was about 250 students in attendance watching me speak. And after I shout got out off to the TD stage, yeah, TD, shout out to TD Jakes. And, you know, as I got off the stage, they just bombarded with me asking for autographs and mm-hmm. pictures and selfies. And I looked at myself and I was just like, wow, like gaming is cool now. You know, like right. it's, it's not something to be shunned at. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. 
You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. And my goal now, my mission, just like TD Jakes, is to talk to parents and let them know that there are opportunities inside of this industry. You mentioned college scholarships. I remember, you know, with the fact that trying to get these gamers to pro, if they just didn't make it to pro, I literally remember going and searching schools that offer scholarships. And at that point, at that time, around about 2020, 2021, there was Robert Morris out of Chicago that offered the first scholarship in esports. And fast forward, you know, today, there are 760 colleges that are offering esports wow. scholarships, right? So you go from one, you know, preferably about three years ago to now 700 or 20 about three years ago to now 760 in three years, these colleges. And they're offering them scholarships. Why? Because they recognize that one, gamers want to go to a school where they can feel included, they can feel supported, yep. and they can do something that are fun. Mm -hmm. So that's recruitment for these colleges. And then two, there's actual companies, industries right now are looking at the skills that the, the gamers are developing. Like, for an example, in order to be good in Fortnite, you have to create a foundation. You have to actually be able to protect yourself. If you're architectural or engineering firm anywhere in the globe you're looking at those skill sets as a x as as valuable because you have to create the, if you if you got to create the next burst khalifa you got to create a foundation mm -hmm. you got to make sure it's efficient you have to make sure it's structurally sound as you can actually build higher and higher and higher if you're actually able to build in a nanosecond in Fortnite, that's a skill that is, you know, to be praised. And these actual industries are recognizing these skills that are there. If exactly. you're a surgeon, you have an actual controller in your hand now, mm -hmm. and you're taking the camera up down somebody's body to identify where you're right. going to make the incision point. You're leveraging a keyboard and a more control, just like when you're playing a game. Even so with the military. This, even the and military. And the military, yes. Yeah, drones you know? and everything else. Drones and everything. So these colleges and universities are recognizing not only they can actually increase their recruitment, but they can actually get these students out to jobs because the actual jobs are looking at recruiting gamers and individuals within these actual industries that have these skill sets because they're gaming. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we've seen here at Eastposure. It's like everyone is not going to go to college. So we also want to give the actual pathway for someone to go straight into industry or to be able to go to any other industries. But we have to just give them the insight. And when we talk to parents all the time, it's about advocating these opportunities that are existing um, for that of the, the next generation. Exactly. It's just common sense. And, and I, what I love about gaming, again, you don't have to be a gamer. I'm, I'm talking to, to the listeners out there who may not ever touch, you know, a gaming uh, console, whatever. Mm -hmm. they, it's, it's like, OK, you got to respect it because yes. you might not know anything about soccer. It's the number one sport in the world. You may not know anything about it, but you have to respect it because everybody watches it or they all play it at some particular mm -hmm. level. And then it's also like, OK, WWE, you may not know anything about wrestling, but guess what? It's legit, and it's a multi-billion dollar industry. So I look at what you're doing is providing opportunities and jobs and careers, and it's something that is so big. They're some of the biggest names, not only in tech, that are involved with this, but the biggest names in sports. Jerry Jones, Mark Cuban, they all yes. have you know millions of dollars uh invested in these in these leagues and these sports and yes. the opportunities because they know they know what it is. And I also have talked to so many athletes in professional sports who stay connected with their friends, whether they're other uh, athletes that they played ball with in college and okay, they're on different teams now. 
they they they're, they're gamers, and so they they mm-hmm. shoot the breeze sitting at home talking noise or whatever gaming, and they stay connected that way. So it's another yes. way of, of connecting and staying in a community. I mean, there's so many levels of this thing that's mind blowing. It is. It's so many levels, and and just like those athletes, I remember in college. That's that's how I started. You know, it yeah, was being in, being going playing games with my teammates. That yep. was the way for us to knock off some time and sure. get prepped for actual practice and so staying out of trouble. <laughs> Staying out of trouble, getting your, you know, getting just staying out of trouble, man. You yeah. got to get your grades. You got to do practices, study hall, playing a game with your friends was just like that release moment, you yeah. know. And and so many people across the world feel that same way. And it's about building community. Well, let's talk about your facility because I had a chance to go over to the facility. The Mavericks were hosting a Mavs gaming versus Memphis Grizz gaming. And your facility just blew my mind. And you were telling me about how you actually were able to host that event. But more so, yes. tell me how you chose that location and moved out of your facility uh, in downtown Dallas, your home yeah, base, so your home basically. Because believe it or not, that's, that's, that's basically <laughs> Mark Cuban's story because he started his computer business from his own apartment. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah. It was a uh, uh, unfortunately because it got so crowded inside of that that my loft. Sure. Um, the the uh, the t- the um, the the landowners or the, the, the landlord owners they. <laughs> The landlords, they did not like me. They were like, hey, what you're doing is cool. We never seen anything like this. Uh, and you occupied the basement floor, which nobody really wanted to like move in the basement. And yeah. so, but you your 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 events are so loud. It's that too it's, big. It's, it's too big. It needs to be so, in a stadium. It needs to be in a stadium. So we literally was like trying to find an actual space. And um, you know, we found an actual space in DeSoto originally, and it was like a dilapidated building. Uh, that had been just unoccupied for like six years and mm-hmm. had rats and roaches. And But I had a vision. I was like, if I can turn this around, I knew that this would be a space for us to actually compete in and bring the community to see live entertainment. They needed to see yes. actual esports and 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 come and watch a game because once you once a parent gets a chance to walk into an environment and see competition in a gaming format, it's it changes everything. You know, they're like, oh wow, there's there's people watching people play games, but there's also people managing the lights. There's also yeah. people managing the videography and the, you know, like they're working. Can, <laughs> people I, can, are I, working help, this can I help paint this picture with you? So I go over there and it looked like NASA. It looked like, okay, <laughs> I'm here at NASA. This is outer space. This is something out of a Marvel comic book. Comic book. I mean, this is a great. I was just blown away. I was so impressed. And like I said, you're right there in Duncanville off of 67. I'm like, yes. and it's right here where everybody can can gravitate towards. It's not like you yes. have to go to Frisco or you have to go to, yes. you know, some exclusive neighborhood, South Lake, to enjoy this. Yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And that was great that you pictured that. And one of the reasons why I wanted to go to the South is, one, because I grew up in the South, you know, South area. Mm-hmm. I graduated from schools like Lancaster ISD. I went to schools in Dallas ISD, DeSoto ISD. So for me, uh, having that actual loft in downtown Dallas and inviting individuals from all across DFW, I got a chance to see gamers come from South Dallas, as well as I got a chance to see gamers come from Frisco. Uh And being a sports person, I was more like, all right, I was paying attention to the atmosphere. Like, okay, you know, like I see individuals from the South, they got that swag, they got that entertainment, they they like that multimedia type of uh, production. And so I was like, man, and also the reality is like, it was much harder for them to get to downtown than it was individuals from Frisco. Mm -hmm. So I was like, if I ever got a chance to be able to build, I'm going to build it back in my hometown, 
and then also give you know and give those individuals that I grew up with opportunities to really shine light to showcase their their stars because they they are stars sure. they are stars in sure. my mind. And at that point where we had the opportunity to build this new building in Duncanville, it was like I'm really going to show our community that um, I don't want esports to be something that they miss the the boat on mm-hmm. and they're catching the crumbs later. I wanted them to be on the forefront. And at that point, I knew anybody from all walks of life can be able to travel to Duncanville. And a goal was when they walk in that building, if they come from Frisco or if they come from other affluent areas, when they walk in that building, they're like they go into a whole other world. Yes. And ultimately, it brings everybody together. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like I and said, it's a point, Marvel comic book. I mean, this is a Marvel yeah. movie. You walk in your doors and you're like, I'm not even on earth. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone is having fun. Your parents, your your grandmothers, the, the the competition is intense. You get the chance to see, you know, when we do events here, I look at eSposure as an, as an academy, one of the first eSports academies. And when you see individuals competing on the stage that are professionals, but in the background, you're seeing high school students yeah. working the actual ATEM boards mm-hmm. and the lighting and the audio and the videography. You know, when you see that, that's that really gives these individuals opportunity to put this on the portfolio. Just think about it. These interns that are coming in from Dallas ISD and other areas, when they left that event, guess what? They got a chance to put on their portfolio that I worked an event for the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. Can you talk in about high how, school? Yeah, in high school. Can you talk about how you got to do this partnership with the Mavericks and 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 how that transpired? Because at one point it didn't look like it could happen. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't look like it could happen. I mean, you know. Ultimately, you know, Mavericks and and it was so cool because I got the I I I really got inspiration from the Dallas Mavericks because when Mark Cuban made the first investment, you know, they trans that they transpired and built an actual they they uh they they transferred the actual um the the name about East uh Mavs gaming and then they created an actual facility. Yeah. And at that time, having a facility for us, it was more so like, you know, like wow, like who's gonna actually take like Esports and 2K is like Southern. It's like the it's like where the consoles people are out there in the Southern sector. Mm-hmm. We have our facility in the Southern sector, and we have the community. So it always was like a actual competition between who was going to reach this actual particular community. And I will always try to like work with Mavs Gaming, and it always was like this hard element of trying to work with them because the reality is it's business. It's having an actual facility, exactly. and we have a facility, and so I I understood business. And so at this point, it was just like I always told myself one day we're going to get a chance to be able to work together and unfortunately it transpired where maps gaming used their existing facility for a um, another mark cuban's companies and um and the nba 2k league was still taking place so the maps gaming still had to find somewhere to be able to compete and so they actively were sourcing other places all across the dfw and you know i just made the claim it's like if you come here you know, this is perfect for our community. We'll make sure you are taken care of. We'll make sure we show a really good opportunity. Plus, we work with so many schools across Texas. It's a great way for us to invite our students to come see these type of events at these particular schools like DeSoto, Duncanville, mm-hmm. Dallas ISD. And also, they'll get a chance to work these events. So now you're making really big impact if you choose to be able to use our facility. And um, over some time, about three months of working and negotiating, we were able to make it happen. And, and Mav- Dallas Mavericks decided to use our, our facility as their home facility for their Mavs games competitions. And it was pretty awesome because Dave Fry, who I spoke on earlier, he was a, you know, he started with us in the basement, you know, in my <laughs> house and then got drafted, won two NBA 2K League championships and then 
retired. And yeah. then his first job was the coach, the head coach of Mavs Gaming. So, you know, ultimately bringing Mavs Gaming to our facility, it was just like Dave Fry coming back home, you know, like right. he now gets to come and well, impact homecoming. the students. Yeah. Homecoming, you know, it's a homecoming celebration where it's like, now when I have students, I get a chance to say, look at Dave Fry. He was a gamer. He retired. Now he's a coach. Now he's a professional in the industry. You can do that exact same thing. You may not be a professional gamer, but you can be a coach. Mm -hmm. You know, you can be exactly. individuals that are working marketing. in the actual industry, marketing, yep. you know, management, competition. You, you can do it all. And here's a person uh, that have done it. So when I think about our facility and the environment, people can walk in our facility and say, these people, including myself, have done it. They're walking the walk and it's possible because ultimately I remember in high school when an athlete would come to our actual school and say, hey, you know, I'm an athlete. I'm making a lot of money. Um, you know, the, the, the cool thing was being able to see that it was possible. You right. know, and once you leave that classroom, you're like, wow, I need to go practice more. I need to go, you know, be, take care of my nutrition. I need to mm -hmm. go talk to more coaches. I need to study the game. And at that point, you know, you know, like it's possible. And that's what I want to be able to do inside of these facilities is showcase that it's possible to enter in the esports and gaming industry. And you do not have to be a professional gamer well, to you, do it. You are getting it done. Dan, before we let you get out of here, you've got some partnerships. You're in a good spot. And I consider you a visionary because a lot of dreams are coming true because of you, not just your own dreams, but a lot of kids and a lot of people who enjoy esports. Can you can you talk about some of the people who you are partnering with and how they might get in touch with you and anybody wants to uh, get involved with eSposure? Yes, for sure. So our main focal point right now, one of our biggest partnerships that we are um, that I can announce now and I've announced a little bit is Dallas College. So we're building courses nice. for Dallas College. We mm -hmm. have four courses, Intro to Esports, Marketing, Esports, Management, Esports, and production in esports, where the actual students who, you know, may not be able to go to a four-year college, they can, but they love gaming and they love the industry. They can take the courses at uh, Dallas College, which are going to be starting in the actual fall, which is really, really cool. And then ultimately, we have partnerships with Dallas Mavs, Mavs Gaming. We have partnerships with Complexity Gaming. We have partners with Octic Gaming. So all of these large esports pro organizations, they're looking at us as the feeder system for a pipeline, uh, like a work Force, like a Texas sure. workforce. Mm -hmm. So from our perspective, it's purposeful to showcase to these individuals that these partnerships are existing like these major actual NBA, MLB, and FIFA teams, as well as one of our major partners is Dale. So Dale has been a great candidate in regards to working with schools and building out esports labs and programs. Um, so if you're interested in actively building out a program in your high school or your college, um, eSposure can definitely assist. If you're a nonprofit and you really want to be able to impact the community, uh, we can actually facilitate events for you where you can actually use these events for fundraising opportunities, uh, which is really cool that we're starting to see our partner Microsoft mm -hmm. has already started doing these with us. Microsoft has done a really good job with their Blacks uh, at Microsoft organization, their nonprofit arm in which we do events to help actual nonprofits raise capital that are partnered also with Microsoft. Um, and we ultimately have a huge partnership with HyperX, which is a gaming peripheral company, one of the leading gaming peripheral companies of headsets, mouse pads, and 
and such things like that. So these partnerships are coming all together um, that have really made a, a, a impact on our communities. And I'm sure there's many more opportunities to come for us as an organization. We want to partner with as many esports organization, professional or non-professional. We want to partner with colleges that are looking for esports programming, as well as we want to partner with companies um, that ultimately looking at it from a pipeline development. If you are Boeing or Raytheon or Best Buy, any company out there, we can show you how these students that we're working with can add value to your organization. Danny Martin, you are an amazing guy. Danny Martin, he's a co-founder and CEO of Exposure. We will be keeping up with you and we got to come back again. Yes, for sure. Thank you so much, Chris. This is amazing. And joining us right now, is a buddy and a very good guest, especially this time of the year. He is the chief meteorologist of KRLD 1080 News. He's my guy, Dan Brunoff. Dan, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Chris, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my goodness. It's that time of the year where it's very, very hot in Texas. In fact, it's very yep. hot in different parts of the country, but more so in Texas. And a lot of people are wondering, how can I stay safe? We got to talk about the weather. But first, let's talk about the safety aspect of it, what people need to do. And then you and I are going to talk a little meteorology because I swear I love talking about chasing tornadoes, hail, uh, freezing weather, and this crazy heat. I just love to try to be ahead of this thing. Right now, the safety concerns. What do people need to be worried about with these triple digits affecting us this summer again? Well, you know, Chris, water is our best friend. We wouldn't be on this planet if there wasn't water. Stay but, hydrated, right? Yeah, water equals life. So, yeah, water is the number one importance uh, to stay hydrated, especially uh, those that work outdoors for a living. I mean, hats off to the construction workers oh, and yeah. the emergency responders and the roofers and the folks that are that are out to, you know, roofers, landscapers. I mean, yeah. the list goes on and on. Pool guys, even the pool people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, these guys are out there. I mean, they get acclimated a lot quicker than we do. But since it's happened so fast so far this summer, uh, the heat coming on so quickly, similar to what happened in 2011 and especially in 1980, um, it, it's hard to get acclimated when it just gets thrown on you so fast. So staying hydrated, frequent breaks, also light-colored, loose-fitted clothing mm -hmm. if you're working outdoors. Also, you want to uh, wear the sunscreen and a hat. Uh, also, the pets, very important. Don't leave the pets oh, outdoors. Oh, yeah. Don't walk your yeah. pet at 5 o'clock in the evening. Yeah, on the pavement. I see it all the time. I mean, that pavement gets up to 140 degrees. Yeah, and, they don't you know, have shoes. They have paws. They, exactly. So that's important. The elderly, of course, homeless, and also, you know, heat-related illnesses, uh, for just leaving children and pets in the back seat, having a lot on our mind right. and getting out of our vehicle and forgetting that we have, you know, the human uh, or, you know, a, a breathing animal mm -hmm. uh, back there. So I always say, you know, take, take one of your shoes off and throw it in the back seat when you get in the car, if you got if you're, uh, have to a remind you, yep. That's a good reminder. You can't yep. walk outside yourself until you look back in the back seat and who knows who's back there that you forgot yep. about. Uh, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Dan, again, uh, shout out to all those people who have to actually work outside. I mentioned pool guys, let alone shout out to the lifeguards or the guys on the golf courses or people out on the lakes, the people who are yep. out there outside doing what they normally do in this environment because it is triple digit time. And, and in Texas, it's not dry heat. It is hum humidity. Can you talk about those who, because there's people, I, I got friends in Arizona. Oh, it's 114 in Arizona. 
And that's not hot in Texas, 102. Can you tell people the difference between the humid heat and the dry heat? Well, dry air, the lower humidity during the afternoon will heat up faster, okay? So like Phoenix, Arizona, we'll get up to 115, 120 degrees. Let's say 115, but it'll feel like it's 106 Yeah. when when there's no humidity. Vegas, same thing. But when you're pretty much, I draw a line east of Interstate 35, stretching (laughs) from uh, Gainesville on the Red River all the way down to Laredo and Brownsville. East of that line with a southerly wind, that water, that wind's coming right off the water, yeah. the Gulf of Mexico. So we get the humidity, and with the recent rain we've seen over the past couple of months in some areas, soil moisture content's high. So we've had abnormally high humidity during the afternoon hours. So we're 100 degrees, but it feels like 118. Yeah, so that's, that's that heat that's index. The difference between us here, it's a lot more air in the farther west as you climb an elevation all the way out to El Paso than it is, oh goodness, it's, we start to climb once you get west to 35W. You've seen it going out towards Weatherford, you start to climb. Same thing on 287 towards Decatur. Um, so that elevation's higher, uh, the wind goes more southwesterly in those areas. We get more of a south-southeasterly component here. So it just makes it even worse. I'd much rather have it be 110 feeling like 105 than 102 feeling like 120. Exactly. And I tell my friends who live in Arizona, I say, well, hey, in the evening, it kind of cools off down there in Arizona. Here in Texas, it'll still be 95 degrees when the weatherman's on the 10 o'clock news. Yep. Uh, The other morning, it was, um, I think the heat index was 95 degrees at 6 a.m. Wow. So, yeah, it's it's, it's just brutal. And, you know, we sweat to uh, try to keep our body temperature regulated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the more you sweat, I've worked outdoors in my side business for almost 20 years, several years ago before I put it down and I'll be out there working for 10 hours. Now, granted, I may be underneath a tent, but I realized I haven't gone to the bathroom in 10 hours Woo. and I'm drinking all this water. Woo. You're sweating so it out. Sweat, yeah. The sweat is what, you know, keeps you, keeps you hydrated. But if you don't drink the water and you're sweating, then you deal with heat exhaustion first. And then if it accelerates you, you don't recognize it, you can suffer heat stroke. That's when you become unconscious. Uh, you don't sweat, you're unconscious and you have a fever of 105. So if you encounter anybody that's unconscious in the heat, that's heat stroke. You got to call 911 immediately. So you definitely need to know the difference between those two as well. Speaking of drinking a lot of fluids and water, there's a lot of people in the summertime because they party, they may type the boats or they might just go out and have some beers or whatever, beers, margaritas. Any kind of alcoholic drinks, you've got to drink a lot of water with those drinks. you got to balance it off, right? Yeah, or just not even drink it at all. I mean, be yeah. smart about it. If you're going to have a couple beers out on the boat, um, so be it. Of course, you're not driving the boat. Uh, yeah, like you said, chase it with a bottle of water. You know, have a beer, bottle of water. But you don't want to have excessive alcohol or even caffeinated beverages. Oh, uh, yeah, the, the energy evening. drinks, yeah. And oh, yeah, coffee, terrible. yeah. Sugar and caffeine. No, you, you want to just water is your best friend. And they sell those little electrolyte packets that are flavored, different flavors, fruit flavors mm-hmm. um, on online. Mm-hmm. They come in like 30 packs and they, they'll they flavor a 16 ounce bottle of water, a 20 ounce bottle of water. You get some of that and get some of that Himalayan salt, the fine uh, ground salt, and add a teaspoon, a tablespoon of that to it. And that'll keep your electrolytes up to keep you also hydrated and not uh, suffering for any kind of heat stroke or heat exhaustion as well. We're talking to Chief Meteorologist Dan Brunoff of KRLD about this weather. 
we were talking about the things, you know, drinking water and, and, and being careful out there. Can you talk about what to wear? Because sometimes people take it for granted. And you've mentioned this in particular before. Wear light color colored clothing because the sun, I guess, darker colors makes you hotter. Yep. Yeah, I mean, look at asphalt, black asphalt will yep. absorb heat a lot faster than the, the white concrete. So typically, if you're to walk on barefoot, you'll notice that the black asphalt's a lot hotter uh, than the actual uh, concrete. So, yeah, black colors absorb heat, dark colors, and then light colors reflect the heat. And also loose-fitted clothing as well. That allows the air to get under your shirt and allow evaporative cooling to take place, similar to how an air condition works. Uh, and it actually... Uh, makes you feel a little cooler. It's like getting out of the shower, swimming pool, mm-hmm. uh, when it's 100 degrees and there's a good breeze blowing. You actually feel a little cool there for 0.2 seconds before it all <laughs> evaporates. You mentioned the air conditioning. Uh, people need to make sure they check on the air conditioning at home and in their cars, right? Yeah, perfect time to get it serviced. I always say, you know, Memorial Day weekend, you know, try to get it all uh, taken care of, get it serviced, you know, make sure you have enough Freon in there. And you know, all of the AC, great AC companies out there uh, will come out and just, it's called a service call. And, and you know, you know how old your air condition is. You know how your, if it's cooling correctly, uh, is it shutting off? If, if you have it, let's say 76 degrees during the afternoon hours, or is it continually running? Uh, and you have it set for, let's say, 72 at night, but it never gets below 76 or 75, then you have a, you know, either compressor problem, it might be frozen up, mm-hmm. or it might be low on Freon or all the above. So, yeah, maintenance early before we really start getting hot is, is the best uh, advice I can give anybody. Okay, so that leads to the power outage situation that can happen, you know, on car, uh, they they got a lot of different communities, different cities, maybe different towns that they may have a blackout. Can you talk about where people might be able to help the situation with the thermostats in their homes? Well, they say, I believe, uh, what is it, 78 degrees to keep it set at, you know, um, during the uh, afternoon, mm-hmm. during the heat of the day. And you can knock it down a couple of degrees at night. But you know, it's it's easier said than done for oh, people. Yeah. Everybody, and I try not to get on anybody's side or. And, oh, you know, I know you're what you're right, saying. You're yeah, you're just giving them tips. Because, yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. it's on you. It's on you. But here yeah, are the it, tips. It, it is. What can you tolerate? You know, what if it goes out? Right. And then you're like, well, oh, boy, I wish I would have helped out a little bit. You know, so jump it up a couple of degrees more, especially if you're leaving your home, right? Dan. It seems that back in June, we were getting some unusual weather, to me, for North Texas. It seemed like we were getting sunny days, kind of regular weather, spring-like, and then all of a sudden it was storm every night. Then it started getting hot, and then it still was storming every night. And then we're getting hail in different parts of towns. And What was going on with that? Was that unusual? Was I not paying attention? Tell me about these storms in the day, or excuse me, the great weather in the day and then the storms at night that was going on. Well, storms need several ingredients to uh, form, and the number one ingredient is called instability or heat, okay? And so we're getting above 90 degrees, and the more heat there is, the more surface moisture there is, uh, the more, the higher the cloud tops can bubble up. And we, and also you need a forcing mechanism. It could be the dry line coming out of West Texas, bringing dry air out of eastern New Mexico all the way towards North Texas. Uh, the other thing that can happen is a cold front can come through quickly right you get a good line of storms coming through and it's done in an hour 
Well, this time the front came down across the Red River Valley and stalled. And it just meandered oh, north oh, wow. to two, two fronts. It happened twice. And they just kind of meandered. The front did around I-20. It'd go north and head back south with the storms. And then overnight, it would go back north. And it was just kind of a rinse and repeat forecast. And when you get cloud tops, tops 50, 60, even up to 70,000 feet, which is very rare to get them that high. That's about almost twice as high as airplanes fly. Um, that air is cold up there. Mm-hmm. And when that storm's just starting to shoot up the cloud top, uh, it's called an updraft, right? And that's what allows the air to continue to rise, cool and condense. And then eventually it can't hold enough moisture, can't hold any more moisture and it starts to fall as rain. Well, another thing that happens up in the cloud is, is uh, these ice crystals, super cooled air. Um, again, it's below freezing, but it's not ice unless it gets a particle or some type of dust or sure. some type of material up in that area. And once that happens, it starts to adhere and small little snowflakes will form. And then that'll kind of fly around and those will form into little small hailstones and continue to go up in the cloud, try to fall down. And then the updraft catches it again uh, because it's too light to reach the ground. The updraft is stronger than the downdraft. And until the downdraft is, is stronger with the larger hail than the updraft, then mm-hmm. the hail starts to fall. So that those particles continue to spin in the cloud many times, going up and down, up and down. And the more it does that, the larger the hail can get. And that's what happened. You know and what? Just, I got a huge – when the hailstorm hit, uh, I guess it was mid-June, man, my house, I started – it was like baseball-sized Hail. I couldn't believe it. It was just like, look yep. at this. And then, you know, you turn on the news and you're listening to you and then we turn on the, the TV and you're seeing the pictures and people are holding up big old baseball size hail. And I look at this. And then you just go on social media and you see all the pictures of the most crazy looking clouds in North Texas. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, you get those clouds again, 50, 60, 70,000 feet tall. I mean, these are strong thunderstorms. Uh, and the other thing about some of these hail paths, um, you, you're, you grew up around, you've been around Dallas oh, Fort yeah. for a long time, like I have, right? Mm-hmm. So there, when I grew up as a kid in the 70s, mid, early mid 70s, there wasn't anything north of Beltline Road. <laughs> right. I mean, that, was, that was it. I mean, <laughs> Beltline was the way around Dallas before the interstate system. Exactly. Started, right? And, and Be- Beltline went everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it circles Dallas. It's, it yeah. stays, it circles Dallas County. So over the years, everyone moves north, mm-hmm. right? And so now it's heck, it's almost to the Red River, it seems like. It's I almost mean, in it's, Oklahoma, it's, yep. China, Prosper, Melissa, oh, yeah. Allen. I mean, all that was farmland growing up. So now – these these big hailstorms that hit in June, one of them, two of them, traveled pretty much in between the bush and 121 there at northern uh, Tarrant, southeastern Denton, uh, Collin County, and then northern Dallas County, and traveled along like just south of 121. And it's all residential, and it's all new businesses and, and corporations up there. Mm-hmm. And twice it happened at rush hour. And you get in baseball wow. and, and – yeah. Tennis ball and grapefruit size hail falling. Um, it's dangerous and it can do some damage. And I don't, I, I've never really got an estimate on how much damage, but it, it, would, it had to have been in the billions of dollars just here in North Texas in the month of June oh, because yeah. of just hail. So is that still possible the rest of the summer? I know that tornado season uh, usually is from April to August. I was wondering about the crazy hail and big clouds. 
Well, you know, the hail can happen at, at any time. You get a big enough thunderstorm. But, um, you know, conditions, if the clouds get that high, sure, it could happen again. We need another, we would need another front to stall across the area. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, um, the possibility that that happening, but typically it's happened early, the heat this year in June, but we're now in July and we get into August. We get these domes of high pressure in the upper levels over us. And, and, uh, and they move around from the desert Southwest over Texas and the five state area. And then they head to the Southeastern States and then they build up into the Northeast briefly. And this kind of moves around, but typically we're right in the middle of it all. And so high pressure, that air sinks. Okay, Mm -hmm. and it compresses the air and that's a heating effect as well as the higher sun angle and where we are in latitude here in North America. So all those factors combined, we don't see the big monster hailstorms typically in July and August and even into most of September. Uh, Severe weather season peaks, you know, late May, early June, typically, Mm -hmm. and then it comes back late September and especially uh, through the month of October before ending before we get too cold for that uh, here in early November. So no, to answer in a short answer, no, we typically won't see much hail, a large hail in July, August in the first half of September. But, you know, stranger things have happened. Heck, we had a tornado the day after Christmas in Rowlett and Garland oh, yeah. in 2016. You know, we had the big tornado in North Dallas in 2019 mm-hmm. on October 20th. And then just recently um, in June, um, up in Perryton, east of northeast of Amarillo, uh, and then the other town that's slipping my mind here uh, right now, uh, off to the northeast of Lubbock, uh, that killed several people as well. So uh, it can happen know, at any time. Let's hope we're done with it. Yeah. Let's hope we're done with it. Um, but you know, we, we're going to have to deal with this heat now, uh, and we're getting a little bit of a break here uh, the first part of July uh, with the heat and a little bit more rain around. Uh, but you know what's going to happen. You get into the second half of July and August, we all just, you know, we don't even go outside around here. Yeah, in <laughs> fact, I don't even mow my lawn. It's all straw. I give up. I don't mow. And I, sh- I shouldn't say mow. I don't water the lawn is what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm right. not trying to keep up with the neighborhood anymore. It is all straw. I'm just going to mow it. I won't be watering it anymore. Uh, last thing before we get you out of here, uh, people always wonder if it's extended hot temperatures, let's say all the way through October with triple digits. Does that mean it's going to be a milder winter or, or is there any correlation to that? People wonder. Oh, there, there's really not a lot of correlation. I've, I've looked at records, you know, I, I throw an almanac in my forecast on my uh, meteorologist, Dan Brood on Facebook page, you know, every morning by six o'clock along with my seven day forecast and, you know, get five paragraph discussion about what's going on. And I look at that kind of stuff because I'm a numbers geek and, you know, you'll see a record high of 110, and I'm just throwing a, a year out there, 1980. Uh, and oh, then yeah. in 1981, we had a record low in January, you know, of like four. Um, so there's really no correlation. Now, what can trend and impact uh, the weather is when you get into a drought. Science has come a long way, uh, but... I'm thinking, you know, as we get into the second half of summer and El Nino starts to kick in, we may see a little bit more rain above average rain, even though we don't see much in July and August, two of our driest months. Um, we could be a little bit above average on rain and below average on temperature. So I'm hoping we see a trend downward uh, in the uh, temperature regime as we work our way into the second half of July and August. He is our chief meteorologist, Dan Brunoff. Dan, you are literally a lifesaver. Hey, you stay cool and you stay safe out there. Thanks again, buddy. You bet.
That is Dan Brunoff. I'm Chris Arnold thanking you for joining us on Better Living, a show about people or organizations having a big impact in North Texas. So long, everybody. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.